Alrighty, we are back. Your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly. It's episode number 485. We're recording live on October the 6th. Yes, it is fall. And here we are. Aubriana, how's it going? It's going good. You know, we are, uh, I was just giving you a little bit of, you know, I don't know, giving you my grumpiness for recording in the middle of the start of the Braves game. But we are in the postseason, and it's like the one exciting thing that's going on right now. But yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm all right. Well, we were in the postseason. We got eliminated in the first round. But hey, you know, that's okay. We made it. We weren't expected to make it. So there you go. Um, Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm good. Um, It's been busy, Um, you know, crazy. work right now and a bunch of things coming up for LBMA this fall too. Um, we're participating in the Retail Innovation Conference um, that's coming up and then Retail Local will be happening in November shortly. So lots going on, lots lots of things happening. And um, yeah, it's just, it's interesting. I'm just watching and observing um, kind of how the retail industry and the restaurant industry and all these different markets are kind of recovering out of COVID. And of course you're, you have an election coming in less than a month and who knows what that'll do. Um, so we'll see. Um, it'll be an interesting next 30 days. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, it is just, you know, every day is bringing something new and some days I just like pretend like I, well, I just disconnect so I can, uh, just be a little bit ignorant (laughs) for a a second, you know, and just have some, Mm -hmm self-care you got to do that but um yeah life is it can it can make your mind a little crazy if you don't just kind of take time to tune it out and focus on yourself and your family and so i'm doing that from time to time (laughs) or baseball because otherwise it's like you're living like you're in the reality uh show that's going on um which anyways all right well we've got a good show for you we've got four stories that we wanted to cover off um on a range of things here some interesting brands doing some cool things and as per usual i'll let Ariana kick us off yeah this is actually a really cool story from uh bmw and uh my hometown actually um is home to bmw north america so um you know they have like a great museum and i've seen lots of the cool stuff that happens there uh, but they are doing some interesting work and they're starting this in Europe right now, but they are um, using geofencing and location data for what they're calling e-drive zones. Um, so they're really taking air quality seriously. And obviously air quality with emissions can be a problem, especially in larger cities. I know here in Atlanta, you know, the smog and stuff can be a problem as it is in other places like LA and anywhere you have lots of drivers on the road. Um, so they have this new digital service. It's called BMW eDrive Zones, and they're touting that it's the you know only one of its kind worldwide. So this is available available on the BMW FEV or PHEV cars, which stands for Plug-in Electric Hybrid. If you didn't know, um, I actually had to look that up. But basically, when you activate the service, when you have one of those cars and you activate the service, you have this like low emission zones that have been identified. Um, there's about 50 plus different European cities that they've already mapped out. And so what happens is like when you get into that city limit, you automatically switch into the electrical um, 
part of, of the car. So basically it just switches to the pure electric mode without any additional intervention you know, from the, the driver. They don't have to do anything. It just switches automatically. And actually I said 50 European cities, about 80 European cities right now um, that it's available. But obviously this is helping the air quality. And not only does it do that, but it's helping consumers run their car more efficiently. So um, what they're saying is that whenever you are in, you know, this very urban traffic, your car is actually running more effectively um, in that traffic when it's on the um, electric drive trains versus the petrol or diesel engine. So that's also a, a, an added benefit here. Um, so anyways, obviously the car will drive locally emission-free for as long as you can on that battery and that uh, charge state allows, and then it will switch over for the drivers. But I think this is really great. You know, I think that it's hard for people to think about things going from one extreme to the other, right? Just going straight to completely electric vehicles or all the way to, uh, like no emissions or no, you know, fossil fuels and things like that. And you're like, this is a step in the right direction, right? So being, um, you know, just being cognizant of when to apply those, those rules and those regulations based on the location-based data. And I really like the way that they've applied this to their cars. Obviously, I'd love to see this um, for more, you know, lower price point cars as well, because BMW is, is kind of, you know, for the elite. And so I think, but I think this is like really great and they're setting the, setting the standard for other car manufacturers and makers and saying, you know, it's okay to have a blended approach, um, but this is a great option, especially where air quality is maybe compromised more, we can, we can kind of put a good foot forward. So I love this. Yeah, I think it's, it's really great. I think, um, you know, sort of the fact that a lot of these cities have already defined these sort of emission zones and things like that, number one, I think is, is a great step in the right direction. Um, but I love this this simplicity of kind of essentially building these geofences and then having the car automatically flip over and adjust. You know when the, when it breaks the geofence, I think that's it, it's super smart. Um, and I think in a lot of ways too, like you know from a location data company perspective, if you're you know one of these data providers, and you know just sort of um, predefining these geofence areas, you know not just you know around stores, around individual businesses, but these zones. Um, you know, by economic uh, functions or climate functions or these other different sort of broader categories like we're talking about here, I think there's a big opportunity there, right, to start to develop new ways to uh, interact, not just with ads, but with with uh, with machines, right? Um, this sort of whole machine to machine type of, um, you know, communication and, and, and connectivity. I think there's a lot to that. So I, I'm, I'm really excited about this. You know, I'm thinking as you, as you were talking, I'm like, maybe, you know, let's reach out to Karsten and see if we can get him to, you know, find somebody over here at BMW on the eDrive program, get them to come kind of give us a firsthand uh, story about what's going on with it. Cause I think it's really cool. It's really, it's really unique. It's really different. We'd love to see this in, in other markets. So very, very cool story. All right, shifting over then from BMW now, we're going to go all the way over to uh, Dubai. And IKEA, uh, another great brand, is doing some very interesting things. Uh, they have a campaign uh, that they came up with, uh, was developed, excuse me, uh, by uh, Memek Ogilvy. I don't know where that came from. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, so they did develop this campaign uh to basically buy ikea products with your time so what they've realized is 
is that you know for a lot of people in Dubai, you know you've got fairly you know lengthy travel times to get to the IKEA, and so what they're doing is is they've sort of done this calculation of you know what's that cost you like your you know time is money kind of thing and and so they've kind of put a value on your time and your travel time in particular to, in getting to ikea stores and the way they're doing this is it's powered by google maps timeline feature which basically tracks your route and the time it takes to, to get there it records your routes and and all that sort of stuff uh, and then they calculate this time. So basically what they're saying is uh, the, the price of an hour uh, of your time based on the average wage in Dubai uh, is about um, uh, $105 um, like in, in dirhams uh, in, in the Dubai currency. And, um, and, and so that's, I think, about 20 I don't know what I see, $28 US or something like that. Um, so it's, it's significant, but that's that's the average hour, um, you know, um, sort of valued, if you will. And then what they do is, is they look at their products uh, that they carry, you know, from, you know, the hot dogs they sell to Billy bookcases and all these kinds of things, which have, you know, their, their value of what they sell them for. And so essentially what they're doing is, is, is they look at your travel time and then based on your travel time uh, against that that average um, then you know shoppers who travel 49 minutes basically can get a free uh, you know a coffee table a lack coffee table which you know gives you that value or you know if you travel uh, an hour and 55 minutes is one of the examples they give it's equivalent to a Billy bookcase you know that type of thing and so you basically get these you know these free products um, based on your travel time which is kind of cool so um, you know, I like that. And it's not like you can't just make up the travel time. It's like, you know, sort of your average travel time from where you normally go to, to get to Ikea, that type of thing. Um, so, you know, there, there's some protection around gaming the system, if you will. Um, so I like that. Um, but yeah, I think it's brilliant use of Google, um, you know, of, of the, uh, the Google Maps timeline feature. It's a very interesting way to kind of you know, connect with consumers, you know, give them something instead of just here's a coupon, here's a discount, like, hey, we value your time, we want you in our store, you know, here's something, you know, based on your actual time value uh, to, to reward you for that. And then, of course, you're going to go in there and you're going to buy other stuff because it's Ikea. Um, who doesn't, right? Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I really like it. I think it's a super uh, interesting partnership um, in terms of what they're doing. And um, yeah, I could, uh, yeah, I would love to see this tried in, you know, North America. Um, I'm not sure we have the same uh, value for time that they do over there, but who knows? We'll see. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I I mean, I think this is great. Like it's, it is taking time out of your day to have to go somewhere, pick up anything. Um, and this is, I think these are like the biggest challenges that you have with, I don't know, for me personally, with any hassles that you have to deal with, right? Like whether it's like something that was billed incorrectly or, you know, having to go back and deal with that is not necessarily just the hassle that you have to deal with or having to go pick up furniture. It's about somebody valuing your time and the time that you spent having to do something. And so I think it's great from a shopping perspective to say like, hey, you know, we appreciate you shopping with us. You could go somewhere closer and get something different, but here's what we're gonna do because you come here. Um, so I like I like that they're thinking of it and that I like that it's also personal where it really pertains to each, each individual that comes to, into the store differently. Um, so I think it's like, you know, why not, right? If they if they can do that type of a campaign and incentivize people to come, um, especially right now when in-store traffic is likely down, 
and you know they there's less traffic that is coming out uh then i think it's you know it's it's a win as long as it's a safe environment to be in it's great right yeah 100 and i think like i said i think this is easily repeatable in different markets as long as you can sort of you know demonstrate the value and you're not you know giving away too much um i think um you know this isn't only a place Ikea, I could see this with, with uh, especially lower cost items like, you know, restaurants and other things could, you know, take this concept and, you know, quite easily replicate it. So it might be a great way yeah. to drive traffic in COVID times. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Very good idea. Um, okay. So there's a new uh, sort of acquisition purchase that we are announcing as our next story. And um, Disney, Walt Disney had acquired a company through other acquisitions in the past um, called TrueX. And now they are selling TrueX to Gimbal, who we know very well. So they, uh, Gimbal, you know, our friends there have acquired TrueX Incorporated, which is an advertising technology. Um, and it is best known for offering this interactive like video ad format, which is really cool. It's technology that asks uh, consumers to interact with an ad before viewing content in exchange for less ads. And I've done this before and it's great because instead of having to watch, you know, like, uh, I don't know, four or six, five minute ads throughout an hour program, you know, you have like two minute ads or 30 second ads um, and you just kind of interact and answer some questions um, in, the, in the beginning, which is great, right? Especially for people who are not necessarily like sitting still and wanting to watch things, you know, they just kind of want to passively watch it. So I think that this is a great option. Anyway, so the whole acquisition and, and kind of the thinking process, uh, at least what Gimbal has shared with the press, is that they aim to grab a bigger uh, foothold in the addressable TV, ad advanced TV advertising space. So they're quoting that addressable TV spending in the U.S. is going to surpass $2 billion this year, and it's, and it's expected to exceed $3.6 billion in 2022. Um, so those are some big numbers. Obviously, Gimbal wants to play in that space. And they also noted that they wanted to help marketers um, better understand whether somebody you know, who browsed a product online is worth advertising to or you know, if that ad actually drove results to, as like foot traffic to the store or um, another use case that they gave was helping to minimize, um, you know, ad fraud. So non-human traffic and bots, um, helping minimize that. And so apparently this acquisition of Truex is going to help them with a few different use cases. Um, but yeah, I think this is a, a great acquisition. So a big shout out to um, our friends over there, Matt Russo, who's uh, acting CMO and COO. Uh, and Brett Gentry, who's SVP of sales, who I've, we've run into lots, you know, at various LBMA events and other industry events. So I'm glad to see it for me. I'm, you know, my thought is like, I think that this is beneficial to their business. Uh, number one and number two, I'm glad to see this type of an acquisition taking place right now. Whereas a lot of it has been more about like consolidation or, um, you know, some of the location aspects going away to me, this is more about, uh, enhancing the offerings that Gimbal has and being able to provide more value to their customers. So I think this is a, you know, a good announcement. 
Yeah, I am 100% on board with this. I think it's a brilliant move uh, for Gimbal. I think the TV market is heating up right now, especially with people in, stuck in their houses. Um, okay. you know, now is the perfect time for this kind of thing. So to add to your shout outs, I'll add Liz uh, Weinstein and, and Rob Emmerich and, and the rest of the crew over there. I can take all of them. Yeah, yeah all sure. of them. I love, we love the Gimbal people. I mean, come on. But yeah, it's, you know, for me, you know, the, the thing that this really drives home is, you know, if I if I wind the clock back to when we started the LBMA, we always talked about this intersection of people, places and media and media for us was always all media, right? Radio, television, out of home, you know, mobile, all of it. Right. And and now, you know, here here you have kind of, you know, and they're obviously not the only one doing this, you know, uh, you know, I know. Um, Place IQ has done a fair bit of work in, in TV uh, attribution, things like that with location data. But I think at the end of the day, as I said, like people are in their homes, they're consuming more and more, you know, streaming content, addressable uh, TV, you know, all of it. And I think at the end of the day, you know, not only having, you know, some play in the ad uh, delivery piece of it, but having the, you know, as Gimbal does, the ability to kind of look at the attribution, does that result in traffic to the store and those aspects of it, uh, the location aspect of it, I think is huge, right? So, you know, for me, that's always been the game of, you know, did somebody sitting in their living room, you know, as a location that's watching that TV, uh, you know, ad, did their, you know, did that ad result in them moving from point A, you know, their living room to point B, which is the store or the restaurant or whatever the ad was for. Uh, and they can see that now. Um, and I think this, this is a good piece of that. Um, you know, we've seen other examples of this, um, you know, for, for example, Shazam's been doing a fair bit of this uh, over the years in, you know, uh, delivering, um, you know, uh, Shazam, Shazamable TV commercials where you pull out your phone and you kind of Shazam the commercial and then, it, you know, they store that data and they look to see if you've moved again from where you saw the TV commercial to the place. So, so I think it, this is a growing field. This is, we're going to see a lot more of this type of thing uh, of being able to, to not only look at the delivery of the content uh, and the sort of interaction with it, but the, the attribution associated with it in terms of its results in the, in the physical world. Um, and I think that's, it's massive. So, so I, I'm all over this. I think this is a great move for Gimbal. I think uh, you're seeing, as, as you and I have talked about for the last number of months, the consolidation that's going on in our industry. Um, and I think this is just yet another one, uh, another great move. And we're going to see more yet before the year is done, I'm sure. So that's it. Um, all right. One final story now uh, to kind of shift gears. Uh, Amazon, you know, it seems like Amazon's in the news all the time. This time uh, for payments technology. So they uh, announced last week a new technology called Amazon One, O-N-E, not number. And uh, this is to let you pay for things in stores using your palm print. Uh, so you just hold your hand over uh, and it's based on a stored credit card. Um, uh, that you associate with your palm print and basically you just walk up to the sensor that they provide uh, the stores and you wave your hand over it and you can enter the store or you can you know buy things at checkout for free so I think you, you could see this technology obviously in an Amazon go type of environment but you could uh, they're positioning this as, as something that can be used by you know potentially many different types of retailers as well not limited to their own stores but you will see it initially uh, in the Amazon go stores in Seattle and San Francisco and Chicago and so on. Um, so yeah, I think, 
you know, it's interesting, you know, from a touch-free COVID, you know, sort of uh, point of view, I think, you know, there's a lot of value in that, you know, but it is Amazon. And I think there is, you know, you will get some pushback from a privacy point of view as well, because they already know a lot about you, um, of course. And now they're asking for your, you know, your palm prints that they want to store. And, you know, there there was a lot of controversy previously about them on facial recognition, which caused them to pull their facial recognition product off the market. Um, So, you know, it's, they're Amazon. They're going to try everything. They're going to get into everything. They're going to, you know, see what sticks and and what they can get away with. and as is their right as a, as a commercial entity. And, but I do, I will say that I think that this technology, um, will play a lot nicer, um, and have a lot more legs than, you know, a facial recognition technology from Amazon. So at the end of the day, we're, we're somewhat used to, you know, mobile wallets and we're somewhat used to, uh, having data stored in those environments. Now we're just talking about palm prints, kind of adding a different layer to it instead of me tapping my phone or tapping my watch, or now I'm just doing this. Okay. You know, I'm, I personally, I'm not so against it. Um, you know, as a, as a payment method, now, obviously, you know, people have been trying to pay with their faces and uh, things like that in China and other markets and having some success with that as well. We're going in this direction, people, this is just what's happening and we just need to get ready for it. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the last two stories from Amazon have not been my favorites. Honestly, I just, you know, I probably am one of those people that would maybe have a little bit of pushback against this type of a payment method. And, you know, I feel like my phone's with me already, so I'll just use my phone for that, um, you know, as a payment method. But, and and I think that there's a different, even, even the difference between like Apple and Amazon, I think the trust level is slightly different. Either way, they're both, you know, companies that are looking out for their own good, I think, and and want to, you know, grow and make more money that's that is the you know that's life that's capitalism but at the same time i think that there's like a little bit uh, there's a difference between my facial recognition on my apple device uh and apple having that and and the vehicle to pay with it is strictly that versus my palm print and amazon having that which sells so many other things and gets into so many other things and is listening in my home and all those other things so um, you know, from a technology standpoint, you know, it's, it's interesting that we can do this. And I, and I think that it's good, uh, you know, maybe there's a better way to present it. I'm not sure what it is yet, but I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it yet. I'm still a little bit, I'm kind of hesitant on this one. <laughs> All right. That's fair. I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, especially the part of the story that says, okay, Amazon's providing it not only to their own retail locations, but also for other retailers. So now Amazon knows what other retailers I go to, where else I shop at, so they can further advertise to me, they can further understand me, they know more and more and more and more about me. And that just to me presents a lot of questions. Uh, Whereas right now it's, it's a little different. All right. There's at least a paper wall. Yeah. That's there, all I got. Okay. Well, that's our show. Uh, a wide ra- ranging uh, set of stories there from some interesting brands. Um, and I think some pretty cool use cases. Um, 
I think probably for me, BMW and IKEA uh, kind of stand out as just just different ways to go about using uh, location data that we, at least I haven't seen a lot uh, kind of applied yeah. in that way before. So I really like those. Um, but yeah, for our listeners and viewers, this has been episode number 485 of Location Weekly. We thank you for your time. Uh, we appreciate it. And if you have feedback, reach out to us. If you have story ideas, reach out to us. Um, just reach out and, uh, you know, give us some likes, give us some stars, whatever you, you do uh, on the platform you consume. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next week for 486. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.